Hi everybody, and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us, and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Before we introduce today's guest, we want to touch on our new book that was released this week. Unlike the first book, this one is a short story, but it is based on the Lone Wolf chapter from the other book that we had produced. It highlights the risks of assumptions, the importance of authenticity, and the power of actions. It's very different from the first book, but hopefully the messages within still have a lasting impact. So, The Lone Wolf... A story about assumptions, authenticity, and action is available now on Amazon. Now, for this week's podcast, we're excited to introduce Michael Dawson. Dawson is a professional footballer, current Sky Sports pundit, and former England international. He's played almost 500 games in his career, with most of those coming in the Premier League at Tottenham Hotspur, where he was also the captain of a side that was littered with world-class talent. He talks about his upbringing, the qualities he believes help make him successful, and much more. So, Mike, to us, gold dust is sprinkling particles of knowledge to help people. What does gold dust mean to you? Well, I mean, looking now at 37, if, if I knew what I knew when I was... 16, 14, working with you, Keith, all, all those all those years ago. If only you could pass on everything and kids would take on board. That's that's what it is. We, we try and pass it on. You passed on things to myself. And I'm one of those that takes things in. Uh, you always say it's like gold dust. And I've been fortunate to work with many and many good coach, good players, good people. Uh, and you take on board all all the things that you believe will help you to, to have the career that I have gone on to have. Uh, and I'm very thankful and lucky that I have gone on to achieve many things, which we will, uh, we will touch base on. Well, for sure, you've definitely had, a, you've had a, a wonderful career in the game. But if you had to define success, Mike, how would you describe it? it, it it's a good one, that, Keith. I mean, because everyone says, talk about winning things. But I look at my career and think, it's been successful. Uh, I, I'm, I'm at that age where you're sort of thinking of your next chapter. Where will I be in the summer? Will there be opportunities? What it, will it be? Will it be playing? Will it be media? We don't know. But success is when you look back on your own individual career. Have you won anything? I won the League Cup in 2008. Massive success. I won promotion to a Premier League. I got four England caps. And let me tell you, the one of the promotion from the Championship to the Premier League was probably one of my biggest achievements and my best day as a professional footballer. So success is what you take out the game, in my, my opinion. You've got players that have, have maybe gone on to achieve better with more ability, players with less ability. I always say from my age, when, when those players, Keith, you, you could probably vouch for this, more gifted than me, technically better than me, but went out of the game. So... I would class myself and my career as a success because I've stayed in the game for 20 plus years. I've enjoyed every minute of it. 
uh, and I've got to a stage where the next chapter is. So it, it, success can be defined in every, in every different way. From, like I've said, from winning things, staying in the game. And that for me is 20 years in a career and, and playing near, just short of 600 games. And you touched on, Mike, you played those near 600 games as a, as a professional footballer. If you had to sum up your playing career, what would you put in your summary? Very happy. Uh, at the end of it, when I started out, if you'd have said to me, uh, from the age of probably 10 going to Nottingham Forest, leaving home at 16 to become a YTS, if you'd have said when I walked out of mum and dad's house then that I'd have still been in the game 21 years later, <laughs> I'd have said, where do I sign? From the ups and downs which I've had, the knockbacks from nearly being sold to, to saying you're not going to play my plans to injuries, but always fighting back, always having that grit, determination, inner belief when other people maybe doubt you, which in any walk of life, Pete, that can happen. So, look, yeah, I, I, I can't ask for anything else out of the 20 plus years I've had as a, as a player. So you touched on then some of the setbacks that you've had, you've had ups and downs, you mentioned being sold, that kind of stuff. As well as being able to deal with setbacks, what do you believe are some, some of the key behaviours of elite professional footballers and athletes? I'll base on myself, honest, loyal, hardworking, courage, determined, all these things that you have to be to be successful, not just in sport, not just in football, in any walk of life. I'll say them to my kids growing up, be honest, be loyal and give everything you can and be as committed as you can. And at the end of it, I've no regrets. I say to any young player now setting out, and unfortunately they all won't make professional footballers, have no regrets. Don't say in 10 years, if I haven't done this, if I haven't done that. And, and I, I'm very open to players. I'll say, look, unfortunately, some of you won't be good enough. Some of you might not get the opportunities. Some of your face might not fit. It's all about opinions in football. But as long as you can look yourself in the mirror, and be honest to yourself and say, I give everything I could to do what I, my dream was set out. And, and that's what I said from the start, from, from minute one when I came on your podcast. That was it. I've been honest and I've, I've been truth, truthful to myself. Well, Mike, I've known you a long, long time now. And for sure, that honesty and determination has always been uh, displayed in every action, both in your playing and equally when there's been conversation. But if we, if we had to strip it back to your earlier years, what was it like for you growing up in a family where your two older brothers who played football as well? Amazing, Keith. Honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better upbringing. Mum and dad growing up in Yorkshire, playing in the garden, playing on the streets, kicking balls against garages, probably causing chaos for the neighbours. <laughs> um, and I, I couldn't ask for a better upbringing. Unbelievable mum and dad, brilliant two brothers. And it's ironic that we all went on to play professional football, really, really close-knit family. But I end up nicking my brother's position, Kevin, we were both centre-halves. When I made my debut, he's two and a half years older than me. I end up nicking, nicking his place and he's been on the bench and I start. So, But we're always... Andy had a great career and now 
is in the coaching at Hull City under 23. So, look, we're all very close. Still get together whenever we can, and and always want each other to do to do the best we can. But I've seen the I've seen the other side of football where my brother went out the game at 23, injuries uh, and things like that. It, it just didn't happen for him. So I've seen the the hard side of football. But yeah, couldn't ask for a better upbringing. Two older brothers, mum and dad, fantastic. And that was Kevin, was that was it not, who had uh, the serious injury? Yeah, I mean, Kev, look, when you're youngest of three, two older brothers, you always want to be like your older brothers. Uh, I'd, I'd always say that Andy, when when he left home to 16 to fulfil his dreams at Nottingham Forest YT, I was always thinking, I hope that's going to be me in five years' time. And thankfully it was. Kevin Alf was two years later. He went, went down the same route. Kev then went to Chesterfield, had couple of hernia pulled his thigh and then unfortunately got diabetes and went out the game at 23 so it's, it's, it's been hard for him of course to a, a younger brother and older brother who's had a two fantastic careers and managed to do everything they dreamed of doing being a professional footballer for 20 plus years so we are lucky but we also have also seen the other side with Kev going out the game at 23 and going down different different avenues sure and because of that bond and the connection that you have with your family, having that support network around Kev, I guess that's, has that helped you somewhat? Yeah, definitely. I mean, having a, a close-knit family, but I, I, I've always been a level-headed lad anyway. I mean, because when you've got two brothers and three footballers, people are always comparing who's going to be the best. Was it going to be Andy? People would say it was Andy. It was going to be Kev. Was it going to be me? So look, you try and put that, that to aside and just I just I always wanted to be the best I could and I've always strived to get better and better if I got a new contract I wanted to go for another new contract when I got that I went for the next contract I've never sat on when I've been doing well at, was doing well at Forest there was there was papers and my dad had opened the paper on a Sunday morning I'd been out with my mates on a Saturday night and you open the sun or the whatever it is either either paper and you're like I'm going here I'm going there I've been linked so look <laughs> It makes you puff your, your chest out, you feel great, but then you've got to keep performing. And that's what I did. I just kept trying to get better and better. And when I walked into that Spurs dressing room with a group of world-class players, I thought, I've got, I'm rubbing shoulders with these. Now I have to get, to get to a level where I'm good enough and have that self-belief. Your youngest of three, be very close. Was it, a, was it an highly competitive environment that you, you created for each other? I suppose so, yeah, in the garden. I'd be the youngest, right, Mike, getting the goal. It'd be like, there you go. I'd be like, all right, no problem. Because I was always older. I always liked being with older people. It was it was one of those things. I always wanted to be with Andy. I always wanted to be with Kev. Let's go for a game of football. I was always, always with them. That's all I did. I, I look at the toys my, my son's got now, my little girl. I'm like, wow, I just used to play outside. My boy asked me today, Dad, what was your favourite toy? I was like, a football. I just used to play outside, play on my bikes. I was I was a real outgoing person. I, Times have changed. I used to go out and come back for hours and on end. You could do this. Times have changed. Um, but yeah, we were competitive. Of course we, of course we were. And, and Any brothers, any family, I think you have to be to, to get where I, I was today. I always wanted to win. I was always always a youngie, so I always had to, to get to where Andy was. I always wanted to work that harder and play against tennis, cricket, whatever it was. I always had that. Uh, Self-believe that I believed I could play when I was five years younger. I believe I could play in that team, whether it be cricket, tennis. I was just with the whole family was just sport orientated. That's all it was. And I'll be probably right, I'm gonna beat them eventually. And and it's obviously stood me in good stead 20, 30 years, 30 years on. For sure. And so look, 
when you look at positions that players eventually go on to play, what was your starting position? People won't believe it, Keith. I uh, I used to be a centre forward, and and I was a finisher. I scored goals. I mean, look, it was seven, eight, nine, ten year old, and I went to Forest first time at the age of ten when the whole family went down. I think we played Link, and I ended we ended up winning six one. And you know what it's like, seven aside. I think I ended up getting four or five goals, and it was just that area. And then we we went to Keel at probably the under, age of under thirteen, only probably a year year before I worked with yourself, Keith. And it was we must have had loads of centre half halves and. I will put you centre half, centre half. Never looked back. Centre half. Never played centre forward again. So I don't know if that was because I was so bad up front or so good at centre half. I'm not too sure. But yeah, never played centre forward again. <laughs> so you've you've transitioned from lethal finisher centre forward and to a centre back, and never never gone back to to playing forward. And, and from there, Mike, you went on to make your first team debut at Forest. First uh, of April 2002, uh, he played 91 games and then ended up moving to Tottenham in in 2005, where I believe you played uh, 324 games and eventually he actually be- became the captain. and And it's a big club too, and obviously they had elements of set- success. And you talked about it. You you won the league cup while you were there, but in that role of of captain at Spurs, what did what did that role consist of? A little bit of everything. Being a, being a leader on the pitch, leading by example off the pitch, having meeting with the chairman, you, you have to sort bonuses, you have to sort things out when the, the players come to you to, to go in, we need these days, we need this, we need that. It, it, it's a big role. Um, and we had some big characters in that Spurs dressing room. You can imagine we had Adebayo, we had William Gallas from when Harry was there. So, it was hard at times. Big egos, big, big players that were 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 opinionated, and then it comes down to you as, as a leader, as a captain, to go maybe address these these problems, if formations. You you have all these all these things as a captain. And I worked with one of the the best players that I was very fortunate to, and I, and I say I would probably wouldn't have had the Spurs career had he not been alongside me, Ledley King. But Ledley King was very quiet. But as as a player. His performance said it all. He was the best player. Whenever we played, we were a different team. He was cool, calm, collective. He was he was amazing. So you've got different kind of leaders. I was I would be the same person if I had the armband on or I didn't. I'd still be trying to rally the lads. Come on, morale. You see me when I do these kind of things. You get in, you get involved with things. It brings back memories. Leddy was a very quiet spoken guy, and when he spoke, everyone was like, "Wow!" Or when he got angry, everyone was different. So all captains are different. Um, but I just tried to lead by example. As, as a professional, everything I did, I tried to do, do to the best uh, and give me the best opportunity to, to be successful. With that, so you touched on having different characters, big characters, big name players in, that, in the dressing room. How do you manage that as the captain? Were there anything specific that you had to do to, to deal with the different types of people, different cultures, diversities? No, I mean, look, the, the lads generally are, are fantastic. You have incidents, you have arguments that if games aren't going right, and sometimes you have to be the peacemaker. Sometimes you have to be the one that's saying, oh, that's not good enough. And, and we spoke about egos, characters, people who are opinionated. They'll, they'll, have, they'll have the voice, uh, and rightly so. Everyone, everyone can speak, but you just deal with them 
I think I'm always approachable, even now with the young lads, the senior lads. I was no different when I was 21. I was always a, a lad that I'd be the one that maybe had the banter with, that take the mick out of. But I, I took that. I took that. I took that well. And I always think if someone's having a bit of banter with you, they tend to like you. So I think how did I deal with it? I probably just carried on being myself. Um, and I always say to anyone, just be yourself. If you're quiet, you can't change that. Because on a daily basis, it'll come out. You, you, you. Who you are will always, always show. And and I try to be like that with whoever, whether it be a young player, senior player, quiet, loud. I just be myself. Mm. Yeah, and I think we've spoke about this previously about being genuine and authentic. You can't fake it because if you do, people they'll suss you out. As a coach, it's the same thing. You can present this aura of what you are, but if it's not real and genuine and authentic, people, players will figure you out. And I'm sure there'll be coaches that have experienced it where players just figure them out very quickly. Um, but- yeah, Dave, you, you, you said it there, Doris. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, you no, said it there, coaches. You, 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 you learn what characters are like and you know sometimes they're up and down like this and sometimes they're all like this. Sometimes they're always quiet. But as players, we pick on pick up things on coaches, like you said, uh, and that's just how it is. Hmm. Well, with the captaincy role, Dors, is it is it different now to when you first started playing? Are there any differences and and changes? I think society is different. I really do. Young players walking now, they've got the ego where I'd walk as in as a as an eighteen year old. I'd be very quiet. I I sort of wait to be spoken to and. But the senior players have changed as well because you can't do what things happen then. It, it's a different environment. Now, play, boot, cleaning boots, I clean, used to clean David Johnson boots and now I play with his son. So it's that shows how long I've been in the game. But John and them were great. I'd walk in the dressing room and they'd be like, right, get out of this dressing room. And then they were only joking. The Doss, Doss, come and get the boots and go and clean them. You just, I think kids and society is completely different, Dave. I just think that's, that's how it is. So... It's, um, I would, I would say, our young, good generation, everyone's on social media. That never happened in the day. You can't get away with what people did back in the day. That's just how it is. The captaincy stuff, Doss, I just want to delve in a little bit deeper around that. So the, you, you've already mentioned cultural differences. You've got, are you dealing and communicating with agents who then translate? I think it's easy for me because I'm, I'm older, wiser. Being seen everything now, as you would say, in a dressing room, all this guy in there. So no, don't speak to don't speak to the agents. But we've got some nineteen-year-olds in our dressing room that you just try and help settle in, liaison officers. There's so many people at football clubs now trying to help players settle in because the assets are so big. You've got kids now earning an absolute fortune. Maybe played 10, 15 games in the first team, and now they're worth because if if it's not a, a lower club. A bigger club will come and pay in fortune. So you try and look after them, you try and guide them. Agents are always on the phone and to, to the players and trying to help them. But from, from my, my point of view, I, when I was younger and signed at 21, I'm walking there talking about world-class players. Robbie Keane, come from the championship, I'm thinking, who's, who's going to know me in this dressing room? Robbie Keane, unbelievable. Absolute legend. You, you saw him scoring goals in the Premier League. First, first day, rather than go back to my flat on my own, that I'm in London, big place where I've never been before, thinking, where am I living? Doss, I'll take you out. Took me for took me to a restaurant and just made me feel so welcome. And I'm going to a big football club, worldwide football club with world class players. 
different nationalities and, and they made that effort to go out and reach for me to try and make me settle in and that's something that'll stick with me forever with Robbie he's an absolute legend not of the game but in my eyes as a human being because he, he did that as a player coming from the championship played nearly 100 games thinking who's going to really know me and and I walked in I was injured at the time so he stretched out to me he went that, that extra mile because he didn't have to do that could have sat and had lunch at the training ground gone home said oh, see you later go back to your flat till tomorrow morning but in it, he took me out and showed me the areas and always be ever, ever thankful for that. We, one of our favourite quotes, Doss, is the Maya Angelou one. People may forget what you said, people may forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And that, that story that you've just brought up there with Robbie Keane, he didn't have to do that. But it's very evident that you probably don't necessarily remember the conversations that you had and what went on, but you you certainly remember how he made you feel in those moments as a young lad going down to London. And he's gone out of his way. He's gone the extra mile to look after you. Um, how important for you is that, that little bit about going the extra mile for people in your environment? Unbelievable. He sort of made me, um, and some and sometimes you don't always want to do things. You, you get in your comfort zone, and another story that I, I'll I'll progress to be, become part of an environment and a and a culture and a team was Luka Modric. We I'd been there, I'd been there a few years now, and we had a group where we all went out. And I, by the way, I wasn't someone who went out partying all the time. I was I've been with my wife. Uh, for, for a long time, uh, she moved down to London with me. So I was very settled, very, very, very happy at home, going out. But we had a group, we had it together. And we took Luca Modric. I'll never forget, we signed him, didn't really speak the language. So we all went to this bar and we we're like, Luca, we're going, thinking we'll invite him. He probably won't come. Anyway, he came, didn't speak the language. He sat there, he was having a drink with the lads. And do you know what? From that minute, he was one of us. And I was like, he was sat there at the bar and we're all sat and saying, poor lad, can I leave him speak English at the time? I mean, he got to unbelievable. But because he made the attempt to come and be part of our team and our squad and the together and the culture, that was it. We took to him like you wouldn't believe. So he'd made the extra amount. He was probably thinking I could stay at home on my own, stay in the, in the flat. But sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone and, and make that effort to go and be part of the team and be successful. And look what he's gone on to achieve. So all these little things, amazing and and I would have been probably the same a week after I'd been down there. Right, we're going out. I'm thinking, where are you going out? Oh, Central London, I'm not going there. But I did. And people look after you because like, that's a culture that we're in. That's, that's where we are. People care. And they're like, Dosh, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. How am I going to get home? We'll sort it. Don't worry. So the, the bigger players, the, the senior heads, they'll always look after the younger players and, and want to make you feel part of it because then you're going to, you're play, going to play the best football and, and be happy or, or wherever you are. Working in an environment... You, you're invited into their group because it's not easy stepping into someone else's group, stepping on people's toe, but people will always help you. That's great advice, Dost. No matter where you are in life, no matter what you do in life, there's always someone out there aiming to want to help and assist. But the advice or that story that you share, a couple of stories where players have asked, players ask you to go out and then, of course, uh, Luka Modric, you ask him to go out it's built a part of a bond. It, it builds the relationship and takes it beyond where it is and makes it more comfortable to be around. Now, 
off the back of that, football, you know, there's been lots of great times that you've had, uh, you, you, many of them, you loads of stories to do. But have you ever had any major setbacks whilst playing football? And if so, too, how have you overcome them? Too many, Keith. I've had my fair share of injuries. Um, I've had ruptured ankles, medial knees. However, I've had hamstrings. But you come back because you're a fighter and it's part and parcel of being a footballer. And people have had a lot more than I have. But I think I go back when I was nearly sold. A manager came in. I was nearly out the door. Hardest po- I had two really hard times in my career at Spurs. I'll, I'll touch on the first one where I was nearly sold. And I played 40 games the season before and a new manager comes in. Before he even knows, he thinks I'm getting you out the door for no reason. I was captain. I don't know if he thought I had a big ego or whatever before I'd even touched base with him. So I decided not to move to a club. So I come back. We don't see eye to eye. But this is another big, big bit of advice I pass on to any kid because manager can only play 11. He can only have so many subs or so many in the squad. I wasn't in his plans. So I came in, didn't speak to him very often. But I tell you what I did do. I trained 110%. As hard as anyone else, probably harder to show that I'm good enough to be in that team. And about three months later, I'll never forget, we played West Ham. Dorsey playing. Thinking I've not been in the squad for three months. So he'd seen someone in training, seen I'm not sulk. Played West Ham, won. Played Liverpool the following week, won. I never looked back. End of that season, I've played 30-plus games. He made me captain. I got a new contract. And he was just say opinions, perceptions of people till you walk through the door. He obviously had a perception of me. No problem. He didn't, whether he didn't like me as a player, as a person, human, whatever. No problem. We've all got opinions. However, I changed that from hard work. And that's all that was, hard work and training. I pass it on to every young, every young player or person. People won't like you. People will criticise you. But you can turn that round. And I, and I did in that, that year. And another one was under Wandel Ramos. I played the worst football in my career. It was absolute. I was shot to pieces with confidence. I thought I was finished. I thought I just bought a, a lovely new house in London. I thought me and my wife were going to be there for, for six months. I'm going to be shipped. I couldn't pass water. Honestly, I, I was I was broken. And and I look back now, and yeah, it, it was I was in a bad place. It was tough. I, I couldn't. I, I was out the team. I was thinking, where does my career go from here? But you come back. You get that form back. You get that fight. And. Um, it can happen. You can have a dip, but you can you can also come out the other side and confidence. You can't buy confidence, unfortunately, Keith. Otherwise, I would have been spending a lot of money on it at that period in time. <laughs> well, certainly, it's tough. It's not always a bed of roses, and players can either they can either capitulate, fall apart, or they do what you do. You you work hard, you grind, you pre shifting, and you you shape the software from being from negative and you transfer and move it into something that's going to be productive and you're just working in the moment, doing exactly what's required to get you back to where you were. Now, in the fast-paced world of professional football, you've travelled extensively, you played for a massive club in, in Tottenham, in Spurs, and of course, currently at Nottingham Forest. But how have you been able to balance between being a professional footballer and being a family man. Well, that's why I am. I'm a family man. Two amazing, amazing kids. Great wife. And that was probably the point I, I spoke to you there, Keith, when 
I went through a period in my, in my career where I wasn't playing for three months. I'll never forget, Spurs were playing Newcastle, first game of the season. For my brother-in-law, he knew, he knew I was down, came down, sat in the garden at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon having a beer. That isn't where you want to be at that age. I, was, I, was, I wanted to play football and it was like, where do I go? Do I leave? Do I go to the team that was wanting to sign me? Because I can't do this for the rest of my career. I wouldn't have had a career. At 26, 27, I would, I would have been out of the career. So at the age of 30, when I left Spurs, it was the hardest day of my career. That, apart from getting relegated, which we'll touch on in a minute. Leaving, leaving that, that place that I'd been there for nine and a half years. Amazing memories. Playing in the Champions League. Winning a League Cup, playing for England, all these opportunities, they, they helped me fulfil my dreams. But then it was time where my wife was seven months pregnant. Uh, Hull City came. It was a chance to move north. Mauricio Pochettino had just come in. And because of my early days when I said that I waited three months to, to get an opportunity, I was thinking, I'm 30 now. I had two years left on my contract. So I sit there, do nothing for two years and pick up my money. That's not me, Keith. Yeah, anybody who knows me knows I want to play football. I still believe that I had an awful lot. I'd played 40 games previously. Um, and Hull City came and bought me. So that was very hard. Up sticks, me and my wife, wife heavily pregnant, moving back up north. And we moved just outside Leeds. And that year we got relegated. Worst day of my career. Thinking, I could have been at Spurs now. I've been relegated. I made the wrong decision. However, 12 months on, we got promoted one of the best days in my career, lifting that trophy at Wembley. And I'm going to go back to now where you, what the question you asked me, so I'm not going down a, a, a wild goose chase here. Talking about my family, I was in a bubble when I was at Spurs and pressure was enormous. And this is no disrespect to Hull City, but the expectation of that football club to Spurs was night and day. And my wife was pregnant. I had a beautiful little boy. And I just felt pressure was taken off me. When I left that football club at the age of 30, like I said, got relegated 12 months later, worst day of my career. But having a family, that just seemed to take an awful lot of pressure off me because I still say to this day, fear of failure for every kid is the biggest thing. David, you played, unfortunately went out of the game. You can probably back this up for me. I believe, believed, and now I'm at the end of my career, fear of failure was a major thing, major part of my career because everyone's talking about your expectation, and now I'm doing the punditry. You've got pundits who are speaking about you every, every minute. You're having a bad game. You're doing well. As soon as they big you up, they'll knock you down. So, look, since I had my little boy, priorities changed, Keith. And, and, and I, had, I had my family late, my children. And, and, and then, truthfully, football came second. Fact is, that, that, that's how it is. That's how open. And that's maybe why I had my little boy later at, at 30, because... I was selfish. I wanted to be successful. I was striving to the best I could. And then when he came along, football was second. And that, that's how it is, Keith. You, you've got kids and, and, and they're everything to you. So, yeah, how, how, do I, how do I balance it? I go into work. I enjoy it. I love every minute of it. But you come home, it's nonstop. You're putting the kids to bed. That's why I'm nearly a minute late for this podcast, Keith. And you'd, I'd have been fine. So, that, that, that's how it is. And... If I'd have had him earlier, would I have had the career I had? We'll, we'll never know. But they might have brought me, made me a lot more relaxed than I was in, in my, my times at Spurs when I was going through a confidence and you go home and my wife was at work and you're sitting on your own and your, your brain's ticking over thinking, how do I get back to that form? I'm getting criticised. I'm walking my dogs in the street and people are not being nice because you're not playing well. And, and that's it. So how do I balance it? 
family's always first for me now, Keith. Oh, she did mention then ups and downs, relegation. You, you might be walking the dogs and people will be on your case. People see that footballers have this great lifestyle. They're playing in front of X amount of fans. They get all these great benefits of it. But I think a lot of people don't see those, those times when you're on your own, when you've had a setback, when you, you get home from training and you sat on the you sat on the couch and it's just you and your own thoughts. But for you, what what do you believe now? With that being said, are the most some of the most important skills for upcoming footballers, upcoming athletes that they need to possess? Well, you've got to be mentally strong. I, I think be open. I, I'm very open. I speak about my my times. I probably didn't then. I probably did behind closed doors to my wife and. And I remember sitting in my house here with my brother-in-law and what have you, and him, him saying, yeah, but you could have stayed at Spurs. I'm like, yeah. And I made that decision to leave. In hindsight, it was the wrong one. However, I didn't care. My family was the most important thing. When that had happened and I got relegated, he said, yeah, you could have been. And I still regretted that for not staying one more year and working with Mauricio and seeing where I was. That That's how it was. But players now, I think if you can be open which I think people are, people touch on social media, everyone's friends, but I think just be open. If you, if you are struggling for confidence, because you could see, everyone could see, my family could see I was struggling, my, everyone could see my performances and no hiding it. If I look now and say, right, he's struggling with confidence, I'd probably go back there and say, I, I, I wish I'd asked someone for help or would I speak to a manager? Probably not. <laughs> I still wouldn't do it now because I come and see you. They just dropped me anyway. I was dropped at the time. So going and telling them I'm, I'm lacking confidence. He ain't going to put me back in, am I? And I need to get them games to try and get the the confidence back and try and perform to where I was and, and win games. And that just comes by if you get in the team. Keep it simple. Don't try and do anything extra because you know yourself it's not going to work when you're when you're lacking that. So how do how do I answer that, kids? I think you have to be open yourself. That's people will always try and help you, but you've got to help yourself. When you're working in, and you have been, you've been in high-performance environments, you've been in quite a few, and you've played and been around some world-class players. You mentioned Modric earlier, who's in his position, you could argue, one of the best players ever. What is it that great players do to stay great? Dave, great question. Great question. And... I don't like speaking about names and, and what they have because everyone can tell a story who they played with. But I look at John Terry. I look at Rio Ferdinand. I look at Frank Lampard. I look at Steven Gerrard. I'm going to name no four because when I went to England, from an outset, I was like, ah, these players, they play for England every week. Managers are going to pick him regardless. The way they trained, I couldn't believe it. And I tell any young kid that's bowling around, moping around if he's not, I said, whoa, 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 you're not good enough to do that. I went away with England and I, these players select that I mentioned there, there were an awful lot. Wayne Rooney, they trained like it was the last training session and I couldn't believe it. That, that was a bit of a shock for me and that probably disrespectful for me thinking that they would be like that. They'd ball around thinking, ah, I'm playing for England every week, I'm in the team, he's, no one's going to nick my place. They trained at that level, day in, day out and that's why we're the best and that's why they're world class. 
And that's why they won trophies in, in, the, in the career. And I was very fortunate to see that. And, and I try and pass that on. So that's why I would say the best players like that, they train day in, day out to stay, stay at that level. It does, it, look at Ronaldo now. It doesn't just happen by fluke. That comes with hard work. Harry Kane at the moment, everyone I speak to, Harry was, as a young kid, I was there for uh, a long time with him and he was always scoring in the reserves and what have you. He kept training and practising and practising. Nothing comes easy. It, it comes with hard work and, and these players, they're the best and, and they'll always be the best because they work as hard as anyone. And that's not saying players who are down the lower league don't work hard, by the way, but they've just not got as much, much, much ability as what these world-class players have. But they still work as hard to get to the level that they can get to. How much of an impact did that have on you, seeing that, going to England and seeing those players? Yeah, I mean, that's how I am anyway. I had to be. I didn't have the, the ability um, of these world-class players. I've had to work all the time to get to where I have. And if you come off, I'm not the same player. So that's always been me. But I try and pass that on to young kids now and say, well, you're not good enough to be bowling round and thinking you're you're that good because you're good. But to get to the next level, you've got to strive to be better all the time. Keep striving. And we've, we've got kids at our place and there's one, one or two at the moment who you take to because they've worked so hard with the limited ability that they've got. Maybe not limited, that's been disrespectful. With the ability they've got, but they want to get better and they want to work harder. And I've got so much time for that. Well, Mike, you touched on a little earlier. You're in the... I dare say the twilight years of your playing career, being extremely supportive in around not just your own playing group. I, I remember an occasion where I was fortunate enough to be around one of the an England setup. I just reached out to you to see whether you could actually make a phone call to one of the players, uh, and you did that, and and that was it was tremendous. But that's when you're playing. What do you see yourself doing when you retire from playing football? You know, I know you're currently doing, you're doing punditry for Sky Sports and I know you're going through your coaching qualifications. Where do you see? Well, I'm busy. I'm so busy at the moment, Keith. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it, it, look, I sort of fell into the, the media, did a few, few games and I really enjoyed it. And I got asked back and I got asked back again. And I'm on my A licence at the moment. Uh, I'm doing that. And I always say it's about opportunities, Keith. And when you get those opportunities, whatever it is, you've got to take it. And, and like I say, I'm, I'm, loving the, I'm loving the sky work. Uh, I've got a few core comms coming up for the radio. I'm putting everything out there and trying everything because I know when, when I have my boots up, I'm going to have some time with the family. I'm going to hopefully get plenty of holidays, which we've been restricted with, with COVID and it, like everyone else. But... I think I'll have some time to myself to reflect on 20 years of being told what you can eat, where you've got to be, what time, what meeting. You're not working Monday to Friday, nine to five and have a weekend. The amount of time you plan things and then, oh, that's got to be cancelled. You go home and tell the kids, I can't do that now, I'm in training. So it'll be nice to have some time myself, but I certainly will want to be in the game in some capacity, whether it be media, coaching. I will see what what opportunities come along, Keith, and... Look, Spurs is a big part of my heart. Forrest is a big part of my heart. Hull is because my brother had so many years, so many great years there. He's, he's a legend at the football club. Um, so, look, three, three clubs I've played for. We, we'll see what opportunities come for, from any of them. Look, whenever I, 
I, I seem to be doing Sky or get invited. It's, it tends to be on something with Spurs or things like that because they're a team that I just love to watch striving for success and, and, and I hope they can win trophies. Well, I know before we got on doors, I said I was talking about you last night and as I'm talking about you within about 15 seconds of me finishing, you you just pop up on on, uh, on Sky Sports. But I know, I know my dad wants to jump in and thank you. Uh, so obviously we're, we're, we're both still coaching, my dad's coaching and when when we talk about players, he he does refer back to you quite a lot. Uh, he talks about you and your days at Forest when you were younger, and he refers to you having a. He says your head was like a rock, and anything came <laughs> in, and I, and I think I think it's a compliment because everything that came in, you'd edit and clear it. And he, but he did also say that when he when he sees good passes now, he, I heard him say it not not so long ago. He said the kid can pass a ball like Doss where he just hits a ball clean. So that's uh, you do get brought up in conversation quite a bit when referring back to players, which is a good thing. That's good. I'm glad you said about that. That's why I've got a nose like this. Been broke too many times for threading them balls. <laughs> Putting your head where it hurts. Well, I, I dare say I'm going to add to that, Dosh. Your, your actual editing was more accurate than your passing at times. So, And you could certainly edit further than you could pass it. So, <laughs> so listen, mate. We really appreciate, on behalf of David and myself, uh, thanks ever so much. We really, really have enjoyed a time with you. Absolutely fantastic, mate. Well, thank you for having me on anyway. And, uh, and to everyone who listens, just keep striving. Try and be better. That's, that's all you can be. I'll say it to my kids, whatever they do. And if it's not good enough, keep trying harder. Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast, and also you can visit our website at the Gold Dust Coach. Dot com. Thank you, everybody.